to Sunday Morning, a weekly podcast presented by Church Without Walls of Greer. Jesus, we thank you and praise you and bless you. We lift up your holy name. You're worthy of all praise and glory and honor. Thank you for what you're doing, what you're going to do. We praise your holy name. Amen. Hopefully this recording thing will work better. <laughs> it's supposed to have better coverage of the room because I had people tell me they couldn't hear it when other people were talking and they wanted to hear what y'all were saying. So, today we're taking a departure. And I lost my verse because it disappeared. Um, we're taking a departure and going to... Jonah, the book of Jonah. Hmm. And, yeah, everybody knows Jonah was swallowed by the the whale, except it wasn't a whale. might have been a whale shark. Probably a sun shark. <laughs> the sun sharks are the sharks that are big enough that live in the Mediterranean that they have a big mouth that can swallow a human and not kill them. So, but, the interesting thing, you know, a couple things. First, you know, it starts out in Jonah, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, point of fact. Um, Jonah lived in... Israel somewhere. No, he he lived actually in Israel close to uh, Nazareth. Uh, Nineveh was about 500 miles to the northeast in the capital of Assyria. Traditionally, throughout history and this point in time, the children of Israel really didn't like the Assyrians because the Assyrians were aggressive. They wanted to take over the world. They would take people and enslave them and take them from, you know, where they were born to other parts of the world to, you know, try to make them, you know, they're just building their thing. Um, Tarshish, on the other hand, and I never realized just how far away it was until I looked it up today, Tarshish is just northwest of the Rock of Gibraltar. So at the entire other end of the Mediterranean Sea, almost 2,500 miles away. Or in Jonah's time, about as far away in the world as you could get. To the edge. It was all the way to the edge where you can't see anything more but water. And... Uh, so that's why he, you know, he got up. So he, God said, I want you to rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, in Nineveh, they, the Assyrians did things like child sacrifice and uh, you know, idolatry. They worshipped a ton of gods. You know, they had a god for, you know, every spoon, you know, which spoon to use on which day of the week because they had a different God they had to please, you know. <laughs> you know stuff like that. Um, 
and you know, even they even worshipped their kings as gods because they thought they were gods. So I mean, it was all you know, they were just whatever. And God said, you know, their their wickedness has risen up against me, and I want you to go and cry out against it. Now, first of all, that's a little bit of a daunting thing when you consider that that Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. So they were a, that would be like you know. That's similar to somebody saying, all right, I want you to go to Washington, D.C. and cry out against them because their evilness has risen up against me. People do that. I, I understand that. <laughs> I, I know people do that. But, I mean, that's that's the, the same, you know. It would be kind of like going to, go to Baghdad and cry out against them yeah, well, for their sin against me. Basically, the results would probably be similar. Yeah, and uh, so Jonah was a little bit, you know, he was a little bit scared, and also a little bit unhappy, and because you know it comes up, said, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Duh! First of all, can you flee from the presence of the Lord? Pretty sure David covered that pretty well, you know, in the Psalms. You know, I can go to the deepest sea, the highest mountain, you're there, no matter where I go. Um, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So, two things stand out from One, he was trying to do something impossible, get away from the presence of God. Two, Tarshish wasn't known as a particularly godly place either. Sure not. You know, it wasn't necessarily, you know, it wasn't the center of some big thing, but Tarshish would have been a, you know, it was a port city. They would have had trade. They would have had, you know, lots of seagoing stuff. Yeah, they were not, they were a worldly, not necessarily godly place. So he was known for, and so they would have had a lot of sin, a lot of godlessness, a lot of, all the same stuff that he was, you know, but he was going to Tarshish because he was trying to hide. He wasn't trying to go into there to cry out against them. Maybe he figured God wasn't there, and that's why they were that way. <laughs> God's not there, I'll go to Tarshish. <laughs> um, from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. The Mediterranean, while it's not a huge sea, because of the way it's positioned, gets some nasty storms sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because of the east-west, because it goes east and west, and the wind just gets up a nice big build-up and can just push a lot of water in front of it. What, but it it causes they get it, they get some pretty nasty storms on the Mediterranean. They can get some big big swells and you know all sorts of things. Um, when the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load, but Jonah, Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. <laughs> Two things about that I find funny. One, 
is if he was a paying passenger, he probably would have had a cabin not on the lowest parts of the ship because wooden ships have a tendency to leak. So, you know, they wouldn't make somebody who paid for their passage sleep down where it was wet and cold. Or maybe not cold, but where it was wet. And uh, two, if he was down the lowest parts of the ship, that's like the bilge where all the the water collects and they have to pump it out. So it's like, well, what, why, why would you go down there? Maybe he didn't know so much about ships. It's also the part that has the least motion, though, in the storm. Ah, okay. Well, that makes sense. Midships, as far down as you can get, it's going to be less. less it, 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 it makes the sun move as much as right. higher. So, yeah, that makes sense. Because that's the, the center of gravity. So, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Logical, logical. So that's probably why he was there. Um, he was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God, for perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. Yeah. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Which I think is interesting that they, you know, there's you know, a game of chance. And they threw it, and it fell on Jonah, and they picked him up, and they threw it, and it fell on Jonah, and they picked it up, and they threw it, and it fell on Jonah. <laughs> They're like, oh, this comes up Jonah. What's the deal? <laughs> um, and they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And what of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that to make the sea calm for us? For the sea was very more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Now, I'm curious. I'm not saying I could do it, so I can't necessarily blame Jonah, but couldn't he have just thrown himself into the sea? That'd be suicide. So he wanted to condemn somebody else to murder? I don't know. Maybe it was considered as, you know, they, them sacrificing him. If he, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems kind of weird. It's like, you know, he could have just said, all right, I'm I'm out of here, stepped off the, the boat, said, I can trust God to take care of me, do whatever he wants to do, and you, you guys will be all right. Anyway, they, they picked him up, threw him over the list, overboard. First of all, they said, no, we, we can't do that. So they rode hard to return to land, but they could not, and the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. That would be an interesting story to follow up on. You know, the sailors' vows... Yeah, I wonder whatever happened to them. <laughs> they, they, they found some quiet, deserted stretch of land and became monks. <laughs> um, 
but you know, the, so they now a couple things there. First of all, they picked up Jonah, they threw him in the sea, and the sea went glassy smooth. <laughs> and Jonah was gone. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like he just, you know, I, I, I envision it that it wasn't just, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they threw him overboard and then things slowly started slowing down. God usually does stuff like that in such a way that makes it very clear that he's doing it. Like when Jesus spoke to the, the water on the Sea of Galilee, you know, the, the peace be still. It wasn't like all of a sudden, you know, it slowly slowed down. It was like... Mm-hmm. So was it a good thing that they threw him in? Or good for them or not good for them? Well, it was good for them or they'd all been dead. Well, what I mean is, is that what God wanted them to do? Or? Pretty sure. I mean, Jonah told them to. Because, you know, they weren't a sailing boat. They were obvious. Well, they may have been a sailing boat, but they had oars. They were. Were rowing, you know, it wasn't like it, if it was calm, it was going to make it impossible for them to get anywhere. So, the, you know, it was just, it was, inter- it'd be an interesting thing to follow up on. Um, anyway, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now, the Lord had, <laughs> so that's what then. The men feared the Lord did this. Now the Lord, so in this, you know, the next sentence says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Um, question. Have you ever seen what comes out of the belly of anything? That's been in there for a few days. <laughs> it's not pleasant, you know. So even if Jonah wasn't being actively uh, digested, he was probably getting bleached. You know, he probably his clothes were, you know, getting nasty. And he finally prayed, and there's a big long prayer that he prays, basically saying, God, I messed up, so I'll do what you want to do. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, amazingly enough, Nineveh is a port city, so it vomited him onto dry land at Nineveh. So now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. (laughs) Guess he learned his lesson. Can't get away from the presence of God. According to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Okay, so he was three days away from the coast, I guess. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Oh, no, the, it was three days wide. That's how big it was. So the fish threw him out. He started walking, you know, he walked into the city on the first day. 
And he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, like you said, there's people in Washington, D.C. that cry out and prophesy against the government, or, you know, against anything you can think of at any given point in time. And, you know, I don't know, you know, most people just kind of ignore those, most of those people. <laughs> but when you've got somebody who is bleached white as that paint on the fireplace and smells like, you know, they've been in the belly of some disgusting creature for three days and probably looks a little bit harried and kind of acid washed and kind of, you know, wild eyed and decomposing. Yeah. <laughs> not necessarily decomposing, but maybe not too far from undead. <laughs> Saying forty days none of us gonna be overthrown. <laughs> you might have a tendency to go, uh what do you mean? So the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh to, by decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God, Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Now, the first question I always have is, why do they got to do that to the poor animals? It wasn't their fault in the first place. <laughs> they didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, don't let them eat or drink. How are you going to keep cows from eating? Well, of course, I guess, you know, if you're in some place that's stony and they only can eat what you feed them, but mm -hmm. still. Um, uh, you know, my first thing is, like, the animals didn't cause any sin. I'm like, well, <laughs> don't punish them. But anyway, so it did that. And then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So that's a lesson in itself. Because, you know, often we always focus on Jonah in the story. But the people of Nineveh, who were not necessarily nice people, you know, the you know the, as, a, as a people, I'm sure that there were individuals that were nice, but as a people, they were not a nice group of people. They had a bad reputation. They did bad things. They, you know, stole people, sacrificed people, all of these things. Yet, when they heard the truth, they recognized it and repented. Now we don't know how long they, you know, how long that repentance lasted, but they repented. You know, probably as long as that king was alive, at any rate. Mm -hmm. And upon repenting. God said, all right, you repented, I will relent. I will not destroy you. Now, it's also very probable that this story, while it took place afterwards, 
it wasn't that far after Sodom and Gomorrah had been destroyed by, you know, hmm. flaming balls from the sky with salt and sulfur and burning and, you know, that when uh, Nineveh it wasn't that far away from Sodom and Gomorrah, that when Jonah said, this is what's going to happen, they're like, oh no, <laughs> we maybe should repent. <laughs> so there was a little bit of uh, precedence there. It wasn't just, you know, oh, what's going to happen? It was like, oh, we might turn everything into a big salt mountain and just, <laughs> you know, so, um, anyway, now comes the sad part. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. And this is really where I was kind of going with this today. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out from the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Um... I'm going to sit here to destroy it. Pow. So you destroy it. What the church today, if we're not careful, not all churches, not everybody, but in general, the church today, if we're not careful, will, and, and, And sometimes it's the best meaning churches. You can say Christians today. Okay. Christians today. Sometimes it's the best meaning Christians today. Um, get upset because God relents. I mean, they should be excited. God sent me to tell these people that they were going to be destroyed and unless they repented, and they repented, and now God's relenting. But they get stuck on the God sent me to tell these people they're going to be destroyed, and they're not destroyed. What's going on? Yeah, to be fair, the world looks at them and gets stuck on that, too. The world didn't end. What happened? You know. But if we're not careful as Christians, we get hung up on that. I mean, that's, you know, we, we look at Jonah and go, well, you were stupid. It's the same as the story of the prodigal son. The same as the story of the prodigal son. Elaborate. Well, because the son that stayed with the father and did everything right. Right. You know, thought yeah. that he deserved more than the son that came back that had been living in sin. True. You know, so sometimes you think, I've been living my whole life the right way. And yet, and you just let them do this. On a whim, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
You have mercy on these people that <coughs> yep. So we have to be careful of that because we, <coughs> excuse me, we have that tendency, I think, as humans to want to see people get theirs mm -hmm. as long as it's yeah, well, bad. I, I think more often than not in these days, what I observe is that there are some Christians who ascribe God's anger to whatever natural disaster tends to come up. Oh. God yeah. did that because of this group. Right? Yeah. And I think that's the same idea. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's it just is. Saying, mm -hmm. They're taking advantage of a situation and describing their own they're, they're overlaying their it. ideals on top of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is just as bad as sitting back and pouting because God didn't destroy it. Right. Maybe even worse. Huh? That earthquake happened because God was displeased with you. The COVID-19 virus is because God's angry. No. What sins do you have in your life that's causing God to do this? Yeah. And, you know, down to that single person. What, have you, what did you do that caused this? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the, the simple answer to that is, what did Jonah do to cause, or not Jonah, what did, what did Job do to cause all of his calamities? He was righteous, so nothing. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, yeah, so then the story goes on. Jonah went out of the city, he was pouting. God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. He's like, oh, thank you, God. You gave me a nice place of shade. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. <laughs> Must have been a big worm. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun rose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Now, again, where is Jonah? Sitting outside of the city of repentant people who have been sacrificing to the Lord, praying to God, being thankful that they, you know, you know, they're they're doing their best to be you know, penitent and know that he was the prophet who brought that he self-imposed isolation he could have been being taken care of because I'm sure that there were a lot of people that wanted to ask him questions wanted to find you know get in, or maybe it was during the fast and he just didn't want to be down there while everybody was starving I don't know but still, still self-imposed isolation. Yeah, he thought he was superior. So then, you know, he's out here, and, and then God's like, well, let's see a nice little east wind, the sun shining down, get rid of that shade. And he's like, oh, it'd be better if I was dead. Just let me die. And he said, is it right for me to be angry? No, no, he said, and then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. 
The Lord said, You have pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? In other words, God said, I put a lot of work into these people. Shouldn't I have pity on them? When, when you feel bad about this plant that you didn't even have anything to do with? And that's where it ends. That's the end of the story of Jonah. <laughs> right there. Doesn't tell what John is no. I'm 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 guessing he whines some more. I don't know, <laughs> but I don't know. The, the whole story of Jonah, you know, is an awesome story in and of itself, and the miracle the the miracles that happen. I mean, there's a lot of miracles in that story. Mm-hmm. And we, but as Christians, we've got to be careful that we don't fall into that same uh, trap as Jonah. Well, think about his disobedience caused other people to be in danger, to suffer and be in danger. Well, and even even though they, you know, they also when they threw him overboard then they made sacrifices to the Lord and they took vows before God but they suffered because they had to throw all of their cargo overboard which was a financial loss you know yeah so you know our disobediences don't always just affect us right it affects it can affect other people it can affect a lot of people well, I mean, you have to be you have to consider the fact that if you are if you have a calling from God, whatever that calling is, and whatever that circle that that range of influences that you have, whether your circle of influence is, you know, 10 people or 100 people or a million people or 10 million people, and you flee from the presence of God, that circle of influence doesn't change. It's just the impact that changes. Hmm. And that's where we, and that's the real thing that we have to be careful of. And, you know, as Christians, we want to be holy. We want to be, we want to do what God wants us to do, or we should. Um, you know, everybody has their moments, and we all have our Jonah moments where we're like, uh huh. I can't believe that, God. Why are those people always getting blessings and benefits and I have to go through such hard things? And you know, and God's like, yeah, you have to go through hard things because I'm making you stronger. You know, when the time comes, they'll be weak and they'll faint, but you'll be strong because you've gone through all this endurance training. <laughs> and guess what? This life just isn't all about you. It's about other people. What? <laughs> Life isn't all about us and me individually. I don't know about that. But we have to consider that. We need to consider and we need to think. We need to realize that even though we all have our Jonah moments, A, we'd be better off if, you know, 
how would the story have gone if Jonah had just said, oh, okay, I'll go? Or if Jonah had been happy about it and been like, God, is there a chance to save Nineveh? Let me go. You know, we don't know what might have happened. We, we never will know what could have happened. But I imagine that the story might have been a little bit different. But he could have chosen somebody that would have done that. True. But he chose Jonah. They had a bad attitude. True. You know, for whatever reason. Well, I mean, you know, and the prophet Isaiah, arguably one of the the greatest prophets in the Bible. Um, Isaiah? Yeah. Because he was followed by I always get him backwards. Who is the prophet that he, you know, had followed him around? Wanted to do more miracles. Would raise the ask the iron, made the iron axe head float, and all that. I, I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> I always, I always get him. But anyway, Isaiah was the one that you know. He was the one that challenged the 500 or 450 priests of, of male, you know, Jezebel's priests and, you know, mm-hmm. said, alright, whoever, you know, don't get touched fire to it, but, you know, whoever's altar gets, you know, gets lit on fire is, is the winner. You know, you know, made fun of them. And right after that, after he called down, you know, he, he said a simple prayer. They had been screaming for hours, all day long. And to the point where he was making fun of them, which I thought was a good um, And then he just said, God, show them who you are. And like this 12 foot wide beam of pure light comes down out of heaven and just immolates the offering, the stones, the wood, everything, and burns it. You know, there's nothing left. Um, and then. Right after that is when he ran and hid in the cave and felt sorry for himself. Well, no, right after that, he killed all his prophets. Then he was afraid of Jezebel, and he ran and hid and, you know, was like, I'm the only one left. And God's like, no, you're not. There's more than 400 people that haven't bent their knee. And we find ourselves in those situations. You know, so, but, but to be real honest... He wasn't ever used to the same level again after that. And Jonah wasn't ever used to the same level or, you know, notably again after that. So if we're not careful, if we try to flee from God, if we try to run away from what God wants us to do, He will let us finish what he asked us to do, but he may not use us again to that same degree. Which is, you know, considered kind of sad. I don't know. <laughs> so, I don't, I'm not even really sure the, the overall point of this is that we have to be careful 
that A, when God tells us to do something, just you know, suck it up and do it. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. But sometimes it's better than you know putting other people in danger, putting yourself in danger. You know, I mean, it's it's very possible God could have just when they threw him off the boat, could have just had a board there that he grabbed hold of and couldn't let go of for you know a week while it blew east along the Mediterranean Sea until he washed up on the shore. God could have done it that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know. But, you know, you say just suck up and do it, but That's how not easy. much does your attitude play a part? Because well, he had a bad attitude before. <laughs> uh, well, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, he had a pretty bad attitude before. So, you know, how does that... How does your attitude God's still going to do what he's going to do, but your attitude is going to be what you live with. Right. You know, he still might use you, but you might not get what God has for you because you have an attitude, a bad attitude. Well, and you got to think, you know, sometimes if I'm working with a tool and it's the only one of that tool that I have and it's not working the way I want it to, I'll keep using it because I can get the job done with it. But I won't use it anymore. I'll go get a new one. Because that one just is too much of a pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah. maybe that's maybe there's uh, a lesson to be learned there as well. I don't know. So that's something about. You have any other insights? No. Okay. Lord, we thank you and praise you and bless you for all you're doing, all you're going to do. I pray that you'll help us uh, in in life to, to follow after you, to do what you want us to do, to have good attitudes about doing what you want us to do, Lord. Um, thank you for your mercy and your kindness. We praise you and bless you. Amen. Oh, and help everybody with uh, daylight savings time, too. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Sunday Morning Podcast from Church Without Walls of Greer, South Carolina. If you have any questions or you need more information, please feel free to reach out to jonathan.wagner at intheupstate.net. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so on whatever channel you found this podcast. And reach out to me or anyone if you have questions about Christianity. Christianity.